So what is it? Eight more days? Till camp. I know, it's going to be, if you're not going, then you're just going to totally miss out. It is going to be phenomenal, and I am extremely, extremely excited. Everybody got a sermon handout? Go ahead and wave them at me so I can see you got one. Sweet. That's awesome. I have a splitting headache, and I don't know why. So if I start doing this in the middle of a message, you know what's going on, okay? So just let you know, it's just, you know, I'm just trying to get it out of my head. But I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I've had too much caffeine or not enough caffeine. I'm not quite sure. But that's just what's happening right now. Hey, we had some exciting weeks the last few weeks. And uh, really, we've had some incredible guest speakers, all of our speaking team. And I want to just brag on every one of them because, truthfully, I think our speaking team is one of the best, actually the best speaking team that we've ever had. With PT on it, uh, Mr. Jeremy, Brother Gabriel, and Mr. Tony, and all the ones that are filling in, I just really think that they did a fantastic job the last four weeks. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah. They did awesome. And what I want to encourage you guys is that whenever one of those guys comes up here, and when they preach, and, and as they're sharing the word, if you have something where you say, man, that was really good, that changed my life. I would love for you guys to send him a text, send him a Facebook message, send him an email and just tell him, hey, thanks for sharing because it really, really helped me. It will help them to make sure that they are always doing a good job and they are doing great. They're all excellent communicators. But it really is nice to hear sometimes, hey, that really spoke to me. Does that make sense to you guys? So it really is kind of neat. So if you have something, tell them and they will love it and it will really help them a ton. Tonight we're going to close out chapter 7. And then we're going to take a break for a little while for the summer. We're going to be in our momentum, which means that we're going to be doing God in the movies or the Oscars. So coming back from camp, we're going to have combined services, and we're going to look at six different movies. And so we're going to be totally different. Dr. Lou is going to be on hold till August. And then in August, we'll pick it back up in Chapter 8. But tonight, we're closing out Chapter 7, and uh, we will meet some interesting people tonight. And those interesting people that we're going to meet tonight will teach us basically two lessons. Lesson number one is... A lesson on judging. And the lesson number two is a lesson on honor, which will actually go exactly into what Mr. Jeremy was talking about, and he didn't really know this, so it's going to be interesting to see. I think God is speaking to us. Now, there's three main people in the story. First one is Jesus. Of course, he's part of this because, you know, we're teaching on the Gospel of Luke, so of course Jesus is part of it. Then you have this Pharisee by the name of Simon. And then you have a young lady, which some believe to be Mary. Some people, you know, like have different opinions. But there's a young lady who in this story is unnamed, and she kind of interrupts the dinner plans of Jesus and Simon. And that's what we're going to read, and we're going to learn something about, you know, those people that are present at the dinner party, that it's really easy to judge. How many of you guys have ever noticed that, man, judging is super easy? And how many of you guys know that honoring people is really hard sometimes? Right? And so we're going to learn both of these lessons in this story, and it's going to be awesome. Are you guys ready to jump in? Let's go. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into verse 36. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are in this place. I believe that you have a word for us. I believe that you want to teach us tonight. So Holy Spirit, I declare my dependence upon you. I ask that you would remove me from behind the pulpit and that you would speak tonight. I ask that all of our hearts will be open. Our ears will be attentive, and God, that you would really speak and change our lives. And we pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now, it starts here in verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. Somebody tell me really quickly, who are the Pharisees again? This is going to be one of those sermons where I'm going to ask a lot of questions, so you guys just be prepared and jump in. Who are the Pharisees? 
They're human, okay? They're religious leaders. Grace, go ahead. What were you going to say? They just took it out of you, right? They're just, what were you going to say? Perfect. They were lawmakers. Yes, they were religious leaders. They were humans, and they made a lot of laws, which is perfect. They were one of the religious parties in Judaism who were really, really big on rules, on regulations, and on observing the law. And I want you guys to keep this in mind because this is going to be really interesting to see one of them. And as we will find out in a second, he's not doing such a great mind. So he had, he invited Jesus to dinner. And so Jesus went to the Pharisee's house. Now in every culture, when you enter someone's house, there are certain things that are appropriate to do and not appropriate to do. Like I remember when I was growing up, one of the things my mom always taught me, and this might be a European thing, but my mom always said when you were invited to go over to someone else's house, you bring flowers or chocolate for the lady of the house. No, I'm serious. That's what I was taught. So it's a very common thing in Germany to do that. That's what would be like, you know, if, you, if your mom invites me over to the house, that's what my mother would expect me to. And if she knows that I'm not doing it, that would, that would be in trouble, right? Because that would not be good. So chocolate or flowers. Now, for the people that come to the house, you would know it's appropriate to be dressed right, to, you know, um, to just, you know, obviously you don't want to come stinky, right? You know that. Now, for the host, if you go to someone's house, if I invite you to dinner and don't have dinner for you... <laughs> That would be weird, right? So you know that you want to have dinner ready. Um, if there's a lady and she has a coat, you know, as the host, you would make sure that you take the coat off, you put it on a coat rack again. And this is kind of what I was taught in Germany. So there's different things that you're supposed to do when you are coming over to someone's house and when you're hosting something. Now, the same is true for the Jewish culture. Back in the day, there were certain things that people would always do or better were supposed to do. Number one was they were supposed to sometimes put the hand on the guest's shoulders and give them a kiss of peace as they entered the house. Now, let me explain this. This is a kiss on the cheek, okay? So just very clearly that you guys know what's going on here. The second thing that, that they would often do is they would put cool water over the feet of the traveler because if you don't know anything about those times, they would all wear sandals. The roads were not the way that we have roads. They didn't have, you know, like pavements and everything. They were dusty. There was dust all over, so their feet would be nasty. They would be hot. So they would pour as a gesture of, you are welcome in my house, put water over it and clean their feet, sometimes even wash their feet. And lastly, they would sometimes put oil on the forehead of their guests. Now, you would think this Pharisee, who was all into law, regulations, and rules, would do all this, right? Well, as we find out in a second, he actually does not, and he does not follow it at all. So here we have a Pharisee with really bad manners. And so they were at the house, at the Pharisee's house, and they reclined at the table. Now, what does this mean? Reclining at the table for dinner. I don't know about you guys, but in my house, we don't recline at the table. We sit at the table, right? So again, we have to ask some questions because, you know, we think, okay, they were all sitting down. No, they were not sitting down. They were reclining. Back in those days, you had a table that was about six inches off the ground, and they would literally recline, and their feet would be kind of backwards. I have a picture here right there. So that's kind of how they would be eating. So just for you to have an idea, that's, that was culturally okay, and that's the way that they would eat. And then they would talk as they were eating and fellowshipping. And this is important to know. As a matter of fact, in a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a quiz. So I already gave you the answer. So just keep that in mind. So you, we're all ready. So here's what's going on. There is Jesus. There's Simon. They're having a great party. They're all talking. They're eating. And then suddenly, a woman enters the house. 
In verse 37, when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. And we're going to stop right there. Now, when it comes to Bible study, and when it comes to understanding the word, one thing that you have to learn, young people, is that you have to learn to ask good questions. Because asking the right questions will enhance the text and you will understand the text better. So I'm going to do some Bible study with you guys, and you guys are going to be the ones asking the question. So here we have the phrase, when, there, when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, when you read that, what's your first question? Hmm? Okay, how did she, why did she break in the house? How did she learn it? What else? Where did she come from? Where did she come from? Exactly, that's good. Okay, what else? Did, they keep taking your, you just have to shout it out. That's the way it is, Grace. I'm sorry. So is that what you're going to say? Why was she sinful? Okay, bullseye. Perfect. So I have, that was my first question too, actually, Grace. It was like, okay, what does it mean to be sinful? That would be my first question. And when you go into researching and asking the right questions, yes, Cam, you have another question? Why was she interested in all in Jesus? Perfect. Let's go ahead and answer all those questions. I think those are all great. So my first question was to, what, is, what does sinful mean? What does it even mean that she lived a sinful life? Well, if you do the research, you will find out that this young lady was not just sinful. She was what we would call a prostitute. She was a woman that would give herself away for money to other men. That's who she was, and that's implied here in the Greek and when you read the other stories. So asking the right questions is a, is a big, big deal. Now, could you imagine? You have this prostitute, and if you read on, it says, who lived in that town, which means that when you live in a town, and the towns are not that big, and you are maybe the only prostitute in town, means that everybody knew who you were. You have Jesus sitting at the table, you have Simon, and in walks this prostitute. What do you think would happen? All eyes would shift onto her. What is she doing? Why is she here? What is about to happen next? I mean, this would be really interesting, and it would be a very loaded, kind of awkward scenario there for just a moment. All eyes would be on her, and probably somebody was like, hey, quick, get her out of here. Because maybe you had some people in there that actually had been with her. It was a small town, so you, you never know. I know I'm going a little bit drastic, but I want you guys to get the whole picture. The next question that I would, I would ask is, how did she get in there? Yeah, but who let her in? I mean, like, there were servants there. How did she get in there? What you have to understand, again, is that back in the day, when a rabbi would come and eat with another person, it was kind of like an open invitation to everybody, not to be part of the dinner table, but to be part of the overall dialogue. So they would be spectators listening in to the dialogue of the rabbi and the person that he was communicating with. So this was very normal. But nonetheless, a prostitute was still kind of weird to have. And everybody looked down on prostitutes, and, you know, it's... It's, it's not the greatest job in the world, right? As a matter of fact, a couple of things that we know about her for sure is that I think she didn't want to be a prostitute. I mean, think about it. When we talk about what do you want to be when you grow up, have you ever heard anybody say, I want to be a prostitute? No. no. That's not a job that you want as a six-year-old girl when you ask about the dream. That's not, not. And as a matter of fact, as we, as we learn here in a second, she was fed up with that lifestyle. She wanted out of it, which is why she actually came to Jesus. Now let's park on this subject of prostitution here for a moment because prostitution is linked to something that we all deal with in our day and age, and that is the topic of porn. 
I know I'm talking to 6th and 7th and 8th graders, but I'm quite aware that we all live in the world. Let me talk about this for a moment, because you know what? Back in the day where it was Jesus' days, you had to go to a certain place to be involved in, in promiscuous behavior. And back in my day when I was a teenager, I had to go to stores, and we would get magazines and different things. Back in your day, I mean, now in our day and in your time, you can get anything, anywhere, anytime that you want. It's called the Internet, yeah. Now, let's, let's talk about porn for a second, can we? And I, and I know I know we guys are all young, but... Because um, I think sometimes in this day and age, we think porn is not a big deal. And you know what is a big deal? You know what porn does to you? Let me just tell you guys really quickly. It rewrites your brain. Every time you have a sexual encounter, something happens in your brain. Every time you look at porn, something happens in your brain. It rewrites your brain. Because when we are intimate with someone, it changes something inside of us, and we get attached to the thing that we're intimate with or the person that we're intimate with. Plus, when you look at porn, you start treating men or women, depending on what you're looking at, as an object, as meat, versus there's a woman, and there's a man. They're made in the image of God. No, you look at them as objects. And lastly, what we have to understand about the porn industry is that it's, it's a really nasty business. I don't want to be too graphic, and, and I'll do a little bit more in senior high probably, but there's a good chance when you're watching porn that you're actually watching a rape. That's not a good industry, and we shouldn't be involved in it. And it's very, very addictive. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because, see, we, we, we have to think about this. Everybody was thinking about, wow, there's a prostitute. And maybe they were even thinking about all the things that she was doing. And then this young lady walks in, and it says here in verse 37, the end of it, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And I don't know whether this is the way it looked, but that's the way the Lego Bible does it. So if you can put it up there for me. There you go. And it's not on the head. It's really supposed to be on the feet. But um, that's okay. So she had this costly perfume, and she went to Jesus' feet. Now, how did she get to his feet? Because they were laying, right? Because if you think about it, see, if you didn't know that, you would have been, so was she crawling under the table? I mean, what was happening there? No, it was very easy for her to get to his feet because they were reclining and they were out there. That's kind of interesting to know because if not, you would be thinking, what is going on here? And listen to what's going on here. We're going to read this here in a moment, but do you, do, you, do you know what I think happened? I think people were thinking all kinds of judgmental thoughts about her. I think people were looking at her and thinking, wow, what is she doing here? She's just a piece of meat. She's a prostitute. How dare she come in the presence of Jesus? How dare she walk in this room where we're talking with this rabbi? And they were all judging. Now, I know we, we never judge, right? I mean, we're 5979. We don't judge. We're all perfect, right? Yeah. 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 Well, the truth is we all judge every single day. See, we can judge the Pharisees right now and say, man, I can't believe that they were judging her. But the truth is we judge people all the time. We do it in our thoughts. We do it when we talk. And you know where we do it most? On Facebook. I am so sick and tired of Facebook. The things that are going on, I don't know whether you're following along with the news, but Joshua uh, Duggar, like everything that's going on there right now, everybody has their opinions, everything is going on, it's all on Facebook. You know what? We, we are really good at pointing fingers. Like, excellent. And I want to challenge you guys tonight. You know, let's stop judging people and start pointing the finger back at us and saying, where do I have to change? When there's a fight usually going on, you know what people always tell me when they're coming to me? Well, so-and-so did this. And I always tell them, what did you do wrong? 
focus on yourself. See, you can't change another person, but you can change yourself. You can change you, right? So let's focus on ourselves, and, and I, I wish that we would really grab that. Why do we point fingers anyway? Perfect, it makes us feel better about ourselves. Now, why does it make us feel better about ourselves? Takes off pressure? They're worse than us, so it makes us feel better. Yeah, but you know what I think we really do? It's because we're insecure about who we really are. We're so insecure that we have to point out everybody else's flaws and say, look at so-and-so and you fill in the blank. And I think that's wrong. And I think that's kind of one of the things that Jesus is teaching us in the story because they were all pointing fingers at her. And you know what's interesting? Jesus wasn't pointing fingers at her. He was not pointing fingers at her at all. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says. He says this, by judging others, we blind ourselves to our own evil and to the grace which others are just as entitled to as we are. Now let's, get, let's go back to our judgmental friends, the Pharisees. And as they stood behind him at his feet, weeping. Again, I think this was a premeditated act, by the way, guys. I don't think she just came up with that on the spot because I don't think she carried around an alabaster jar all the time. I think she thought about this. Maybe she had heard Jesus preach before and she had looked in his eyes and he had looked into hers and he saw someone that didn't treat her as a piece of meat. He saw someone that loved her and, and maybe even saw her as pure and not as who she really was. And she was like, man, maybe, maybe this guy's different. Maybe he really is the Messiah. And what else do I have to lose? I'm gonna go ahead and do something that is absolutely crazy. She began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now, hair was usually not shown, guys. And so for her to have her hair all out there and everything, that means that she had forgotten about everything else but Jesus. And in her mind, it was all about honoring Jesus and worshiping him. How did she get to that point? She was totally focused on Jesus and not on anybody else. I bet there was murmuring going on. I bet people were talking while she was doing this, but she didn't care. She had one focus, and that was Jesus. See, I, I think we can learn something from that in worship, can't we? We can come in here and worship and at, when we're at camp, and, and we can totally focus on Jesus, Caleb. And I, I love the way that you do that when you worship. And, and we can just say, you know what, I forget about anybody else. Forget about what other people are saying. I want to focus on Jesus. I want to give my entire attention to him. And you know what, when you do that, nothing else really matters anymore. The voices that are in the background, people that are making fun of you because you're jumping up and down like an idiot, you don't care anymore. Because it's all about Jesus. Verse 39, when the Pharisees had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. The ironic thing is that he was more than a prophet and he knew exactly what Simon was thinking. Not just did he know who she was, but he knew what Simon was thinking. And so Jesus answers. Jesus answered Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. And now he's about, he's about to show Simon his heart. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, which is the currency right there, and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. And Jesus said, you have judged correctly. Go, Simon. He got it right. And now Jesus is about to punch him in the face. And I don't mean literally. But the next verse that we read here. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? 
I bet you Simon didn't think of her as a woman. He thought of her as a prostitute. And Jesus is saying, look at the woman. Look at the man. Look at the woman. That's what Jesus, I think, is saying to us because sometimes we label people. We put them in categories, and we forget that they're humans. We forget that they're men, that they're women, that they're made in the image of God, and that God loves them. Simon, look at the woman. She's in need of saving. I came into your house, and this is when he really is going on. Listen to this. And remember something that I told you earlier about how you're supposed to greet them when they come into the house. I came into the house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has put perfume on my feet. Now here we see Simon did a terrible job as a host. And another thing that we learn about Simon is that Simon honored him enough to invite him to come to his house, but he didn't really honor him as a Messiah or as a rabbi, really, as the Son of God. And that, once again, reminds me of us. See, sometimes we say, man, yeah, man, I love Jesus. I, of course I do. I go to 5979 every week. I love him. He's awesome. But our actions are totally different, right? Like, we, we don't really honor him. We, we say we do, but then we forget all the things how we could honor him, and we just don't. And I want to, I don't know about you, but this kind of hit me even as I was preparing this. Like, I want to honor Jesus when I walk in here. Not just when I walk in here. I want to honor him all the time because he is most honorable of anybody out there. Verse 47 reads on. Therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus talking to Simon. Her many sins have been forgiven for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. I love it. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And this is where we got our title from, from today. Who is this man? This man, his name is Jesus. And you know what? Jesus saved that lady that day, just as he saved me a long time ago, just as he saved many of you guys. And that man, Jesus, he can't forgive sins, can he? Because he went on the cross for us. He died for us. And he paid the price that he can do that. I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me because I, I'm here today because of Jesus. Not because of what I've done, but because of who Jesus is. And it closes out here, last verse. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, the Greek literally means here, go into peace. Now, from now on out, you're going to walk in peace because you're mine and I'm yours. What a cool story. You really have two people here that are really important besides Jesus. You have Simon and you have who Mary believed to be Mary. And there's two people that had two things. One thought that he was a good enough person he didn't need to honor Jesus. And the other thought, I'm so bad. If I can even remotely just worship him, I will, and I'll do whatever it takes. Now, where does that leave us? It leaves us with two questions. Where are we at in all of this? I told you there's two topics, judging and honor. Are we a judgmental people? Do we judge a lot? Do we talk about people a lot? Do we gossip? Because that's really what was happening at the dinner even right there. People were gossiping about her right when she walked in, I promise you. Are, are we judgmental? Are some of us needing to maybe repent and say, God, I don't want to be judgmental? Because the truth is I'm not perfect. Anybody perfect in here? Go ahead and raise your hand, anybody. No, nobody's perfect, right? 
And the second thing is, when it comes to judging, the second part is, you know, are, are, we, are we honoring Jesus? And now we even honoring each other. And I want to challenge you guys, let's stop judging. And let's start honoring. Amen? Can you close your eyes for a moment? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. Your word is alive. Your son is alive. And I pray right now that, that as we go into time of ministry that you would prick our hearts. And if, if, if we are judgmental, if we are judging people and are always talking about people, I pray that you would convict us right now. If we are in this place and we're not honoring each other or we're not honoring you, or we feel like, you know what, God, you're convicting me. I, I, I want to honor you with everything that was with me, just like Mary did. I want to fall at your feet. I want to worship you. I want to kiss your feet. I want you to be everything in my life. And if we're convicted about that, Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts right now. As your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed, I, I want to ask, is there anybody in here you say, you know what, P.S., if I'm honest, that's me. I am I'm very judgmental, and I want to get rid out of judgment in my heart, and I, I want to get that out of my life. Would you put your hand up high? Awesome. Let me pray over you real quick. Heavenly Father, I pray over these hands raised right now, and I pray that we will stop judging people, and that we love people, and that we see them the way that you see them. Help us. Forgive us and we repent right now in Jesus' name. Second group of people, you're in this place, and you're saying, you know what, P.S., if I'm honest, I'm, I'm not honoring people around me, and I'm not really honoring to God, and I want to change it. I want to have a heart that honors God and that wants to honor God. If that's you, would you put your hand up high? Cool. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those hands raised and for the people that are, that are in here that want to honor you. I pray that we will have a heart that honors you always. God, we're, everything that we do and say will be honoring and glorifying to you. Help us, and I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.